0: My series this week is is starting this week is called Better Together better together. And it's talking about, we're talking about community in the church and how we need to have each other and we need to push each other and we need to help each other. But the, the sermon today is a, is a little different. I've never preached one like this. And so I'm, I'm not nervous. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, but uh, it's it's a little, I have no like, y'all know me, I have all the points and all this stuff. And I have no like points. I'm just going to preach. Is that okay? Is that good? I'm glad y'all are all excited about it because I'm pumped. Anyway, so we're going to start in Galatians and Galatians 5 and we're going we're gonna to go through and it may wonder why are we talking about what we're talking about if we're going to be talking about being better together. But there's a point. I said there was no points, but there is a point. Just bear with me. Galatians 5 starting in verse 16 through 21. It says, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. Some of you are going, I don't, I don't have orgies, but maybe you have jealousy and fits of anger. Maybe. I'm not saying you do. I know this church, we, we don't struggle with anything, really. But this is for me to preach so y'all can tell other people. I know. I understand that. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, these are the works. Of the flesh. This is the fruit. Now, desires versus works, it talks at the very first about desires of the flesh. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. Desires are, are versus works. Works is also known as fruit. It's the fruit. What you dwell on, you will manifest. If your spirit desires something or your flesh desires something, you will begin to manifest. You hear me say this all the time. What you dwell on, you manifest. What you think about, you do. We have to have a purity in our mind. We have to have a purity in our mind. It's not enough to not do it. I don't do these. I don't do these things. I don't have orgies. I don't, I don't have drunkenness. I don't have all the. It's not enough to not do it. We have to take it one step further and not dwell on it, not think about it. What you think on, what you dwell on, you will do. You will do. I'm on my, and I normally wouldn't say this, but I'm on my sixth day of a fast. And so... Typically... If I'm sitting there thinking about food 24-7, I'm going to eat. Like, I'm going to eat, right? Because you think about food, and I'm just, man, I'm really hungry. And then you see a commercial, and it's like the ugly, I mean, it's it's Wendy's burger or something like that, and you know it's not good, but it looks delicious, and you're sitting there, oh, mm, wow, that that really looks good. Or, I mean, some kind of steak, and it flops and bangs around as they drop it, you know, and there's moisture going everywhere, and you're just like, I bet that is delicious. You know, and you're just sitting there thinking about food, or oatmeal, for goodness sakes, I love oatmeal oatmeal. I don't love oatmeal any other point in my life, but when I'm on a fast, oatmeal sounds delicious. I want oatmeal for goodness sake. I want oatmeal and I start thinking about it and dwelling on it. If I think about it long enough and I dwell on it, then I'm going to get up out of wherever I am and I'm going to go make me some oatmeal and it's going to be disgusting. And I'm going to be like, this was not worth it at all, but I'm going to do it because what I dwell on and what I think I will eventually do. Your works are the fruit of the seeds you've planted. Your fruit is the seeds you planted. What you plant will grow. We, we did a whole series on that. It's the law of sowing and reaping. What you plant, what you plant in your life, what you plant spiritually, what you plant emotionally will grow. It will, it will grow. It, it is the law of sowing and reaping. The seed is sown in secret most times and no one knows what's done in secret. What we do in our secret place defines what happens in the public place. What we're thinking about in our secret place defines what happens in the public place. What we're doing in secret, are you going into your, your like we talked about, the closet, in your closet and praying and closing the door and praying where no one can see? Are you, are you reading the Bible? Are you, are you planting the seeds of the word of God? What you plant when Noah is watching will grow and everyone will see the outcome. If you plant the word of God in prayer, you will harvest the fruits that come in with putting God first. If you plant bitterness and malice, you will harvest the fruits that come from the seed of bitterness. Some seeds take a lifetime to grow. They take a lifetime to grow. And people, you don't hear about the the the, the seed or the, the growth of this until somebody is gone, and then you hear what that person was really like. Or like the person who was a multimillionaire and no one knew. No one had a clue. I just heard about this. This guy just passed away, it was on the radio. He gave like six million dollars away to charities, and no one even knew that he was a millionaire. No one had a clue. Some of, the, some, of the, some of the things that you plant will not, will not manifest until after you're gone. Some seeds take a lifetime. Some seeds, they grow quick. Weeds grow quick. You start planting negative stuff in your life, You negative thoughts, negative issues, negative, negative seeds in your life. They're going to grow quickly. They're going to grow quickly, and then, and then it comes out. What seeds are you planting in your soul? What have you planted that needs to be uprooted and something healthier needs to be planted in its place? Because it's one thing to mow the lawn, and you cut it, but the seed is still there. It's going to grow again. You've got to uproot. We all have struggles. No one, and let me, let me reiterate this. I'm going to reiterate this through my whole sermon. No one is perfect. No one is perfect. Absolutely no one is perfect. I don't care what their Facebook shows. They're not perfect. No one is perfect. Everyone fights with their spouse. Everyone my wife and I, we don't fight. We just have heavenly conversations, you know, really sweet conversations that get a little heated. We're just, you know, we don't lay hands on each other, but we want to pray. You know what I mean? Everyone has bad days. Everyone has bad hair days. Everyone wakes up on the wrong side of the bed at one point or another, and they want to slap everybody they see. You know, I know it's not you. It's a different church, but I do. I do. There are days I wake up and I just like, man, I just want to shake somebody. I just just shake your teeth out. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I just wanted to do it because it's a bad day. Everyone deals with insecurity on some level. I'm the most confident guy you'll ever meet. No, you're not. You've got insecurity somewhere. Everyone deals with insecurity. No one has it all together. No one. There's no one that has it all together. And the people that are acting like they have it all together, nine times out of ten, they're the ones that are struggling the most. I'm not trying to be rude here. It's just the truth. This scripture that I just read is a warning from Paul that what you dwell on will come out. Your desires will come out. There's a constant battle going on in your body. The spirit is at war with your flesh. The endless battle of good versus evil. It's good versus evil. What you feed your flesh will manifest in one way or another. What you watch, what you listen to, what you read, does it honor God? Does it honor God or does it honor your flesh? What you're watching, what you're listening to, what you're reading. I'm not, I'm not trying to make this a, a hard thing. I understand, man. I, 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 I binge watch Netflix just like everybody else, you know. I find a show and I watch it. And, and most of the times I don't even know what I'm watching. I'm just zoned out. But does it honor God? And, and I have to ask that. Is, would, if Jesus was physically sitting right here beside me, would he be like, man, that's, damn, that's a great show. <laughs> you know, you're really, man, that's good. That's really good. What I'm reading would God sit there beside me physically and be like, "You know what, buddy? That that is good stuff. Man, that's really going to edify your soul." Or would he be like, "Whoa, son. What are you looking at? What are you reading? Does it honor God or does it honor our flesh?" See, we're all tempted What exactly is a temptation? We've heard that so much. And Google defined it really well. It says it's the desire to do something especially wrong or unwise. Wrong or unwise. Sometimes we give into temptation just to make our flesh happy. Our flesh, okay? Here's what our flesh is. It's the human body with its physical needs and desires, especially as contrasted with the mind or soul. Once again, that was Google. So what does the Bible say about temptation? We've got a lot of scriptures here. It says, you are not alone. That's what it says. It says, you are not, there's nothing that you're tempted with that something hasn't already been tempted with. Somebody else has struggled with the same thing that you're struggling with. First Corinthians 10, 13, it says, no temptation is overtaking you. That is not common to man, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And then it says, even Jesus was tempted in every way. Hebrews four fifteen. it says, for we We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. That's what the scripture says. But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect. You can be an overcomer. God has provided a way of escape. The question is, are you going to take it or are you going to do things your way expecting a supernatural outcome? I want to do it my way. I want what my flesh wants. I want to go this way and do this and and, and expect God to bless all my efforts. When God is giving me a way of escape, we get so mad at God for the situations we get ourselves into. We get so angry at him when things get tough and we find ourselves at a dead end. And then we point our finger at God and say, why? Why, God? Why have you allowed this to happen? What is oh, you jerk. Temptation does not come from God. It says it plainly, James 1.13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am be tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. God is not tempting you. If God is not tempting you, then who is? Who's tempting you to do the things that are against what the Spirit wants in your life? What the flesh wants. I would say it's pretty obvious, but let's clarify. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, your enemy, the person who is out to get you, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith. It takes a spirit man, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Resist him firm in your faith. You you can resist the devil all you want, but if you're not firm in your faith, sometimes you're going to get overrun. Firm in your faith. Once again, the same kind of suffering is being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not alone. You are not alone. There are people going through exactly what you're going through. You're not alone. Yet when we have temptation, we feel dirty. When we're tempted to do something, we feel shameful and dirty, and we can't tell anyone about our secrets or what we're going through, or, or we can't discuss anything because... We're going to be judged, or somebody's going to look down on you. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest tools that you can beat the devil with is called transparency. Transparency. When you just let somebody know, the Bible says, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Sometimes you have to be accountable. You have to go tell somebody, hey, you know what? I'm really being tempted in this area or I'm really struggling in this area. My desire really wants to do this. My flesh is really struggling with this. I really want to be this way. I really want to. I know this is not the way I'm supposed to be, yet I really do it. And you need to be transparent. Find somebody you can be transparent with. Then you need to be honestly. First of all, you need to be transparent with Jesus. He already knows. Just sit there and tell him the truth. The enemy is absolutely strategic. He knows what triggers you. He knows what you're capable of, and his goal is to dismantle you slowly but surely. If he came at you and just brought the worst battle to you, you wouldn't think twice about it. You'd be like, devil, you're an idiot. But he comes at you with sly lies, and over time you begin to believe him. Resist the devil firm in your face. The enemy tempts us, but temptation can start in us as well. I got to turn this around. I was about to drink out of the wrong side. In case you don't know, I struggle with an addiction to coffee. And this week, I did something that I haven't done in a long time. I, for two days, three days, I did not drink a whole pot of coffee. I, I know. That's a big deal. For those that are closest to me, that's a big deal. Uh, and so I, I was really excited and uh, my goal is next week just to have a bottle of water up here and not coffee. So y'all be praying that that happens. It might be my worst message I've ever preached, but hey, it'll be coffee. Or not coffee, it'll be water. The enemy tempts us, right? But temptation can start in us as well. James 1.14, it says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Our flesh wants anything and everything that is opposite of God. Anything and everything that is opposite of God. We are born into sin. We're, 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 we're born into sin. We have, to, we have to be reborn as a Christian. So when we're born, we're born into sin. I'm a sinner saved by grace. It's a constant battle with my flesh. Yes, the enemy lures me as well, but my flesh plays a part in it. The enemy tempts me, yes, but sometimes I want to do. There's, I have iniquities that I want to do. So how do we overcome temptation? Matthew 4, 1 through 11, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yes, after not eating for 40 days and 40 nights. That is truth. He was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, Let me me go back to the... It says, He went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He went there to be tempted. And the tempter came... And said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Because if you're the son of God, you can tell this stone, hey, turn into, you know, little Debbie. You know, I mean, it's fine. You can do that. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. The enemy will bring the word of God at you to try to justify what you want to do. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him, he fought him back. Again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. Boom, mic drop. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. As it is written. That's how you defeat temptation. You use the word of God. You use the word of God. He defeats the temptation of Satan with the word of God. That's how, as it is written, as it is written, as it is written, he comes back to him with the word of God and Jesus brings it right back to him. I can just imagine the spiritual warfare that was going on. Just beating each other up with the, with, with the word of God. And I, I think it's just incredible that Satan left not being able to do anything because Jesus knew the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, then how are you going to fight what you need to fight? Hebrews 4, 10, or excuse me, Ephesians six seventeen it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That, that, is, that is part of our spiritual warfare is the word of God, is a sword of the spirit. It is the word of God. Hebrews 4, 12, it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than t- any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is living and active. It is ready to go. We just need it's at our disposal. It is the power of God in word. It right there. It is it is everything we need. Colossians 3.2 it says set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. If we're diving into the word of God and we have what we're doing in our quiet time in prayer and we're planting the seeds, man, I tell you what, some of the best things I've ever, I ever seen, and I love people that do it, is they write on postcards and all these different scriptures and they put it on their mirrors and they put it on their dashes and in their car. So when they're battling and then the enemy's trying to convince them of something, they just start quoting the scripture that they see, quoting the scripture because you battle the enemy's attacks with the word of God. How do you beat temptation? Matthew 26, 41, it says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Your spirit indeed is willing, but our flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. And then I love this scripture. Some people get really upset about it, but I think it's incredible. Matthew five twenty nine. if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. That's fine. I'm partially blind in mine anyway. I can just get rid of it. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Now, I'm not saying cut your eye out. But sometimes we need to take extreme measures to cut temptation out of our life. So most of y'all know I had a a severe addiction to pornography and a sexual addiction. And I did a lot of things that I regretted. And and I've not ever backed down from that. I've told everybody. That's just part of my testimony. There are things that I do to this day to take care of that. I have something called triple X church on my phone. And what that does is I can't go to a regular browser and look up regular stuff because I know that the enemy tempts me in a certain way. So what I do is I have this triple X church that it, all it does is let me browse. And if I even go to anything, even halfway questionable, it sends emails out to all my accountability partners. So, I mean, if it's halfway questionable, they're like, Dan, what are you looking at? I'm like, bro, I'm sorry. I was just looking at monkeys. I, I swear that, you know, that was, I don't know. If I do anything, even ha- I, I put that on myself to safeguard. It's an extreme measure, but I don't want to mess up. I don't want the enemy to catch me on a bad day. You know what I mean? And so I'm just being perfectly honest. Some of y'all need to do something that is extreme to block the temptation that you have. Why? Because he said, if the right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Now, I'm not wanting to mess up. I'm not saying I'm going to mess up, but I'm not going to ever give the devil an opportunity. I'm not going to ever give the devil an opportunity. The works of the flesh come from the desires of the flesh. The fruit comes from the seed. Go to Galatians 5.22. It says the fruit of the spirit is love. We've talked about the fruit of 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 the flesh, the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Basically a really good granny, you know what I mean? They got all those. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. There is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passion and his desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. This is the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of times we seek the fruit of the Spirit without first planting the seed. We want to manifest righteousness without killing our flesh. In other words, we become what the Bible called a Pharisee. On the outside, we have it all together, but on the inside, we're all jacked up. On the inside, we're all jacked up. On the outside, we're acting like, oh, man, we're we're gentle. Oh, we're so kind. We're loving. We're full of peace. We have patience. And inside, you're just like, I want to rip your face off. I know that's nobody in here. We want to manifest righteousness without first killing our flesh. We want to act like we have it all together. We want the fruits of the Spirit just to happen in our life. In order for us to have the fruit of the Spirit, the flesh has to die. The flesh has to die. Let me, Galatians 5.24, and those who belong to Christ, it's what we just read, have crucified the flesh, have killed the flesh, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Romans 8 13, for you, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you're put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Colossians 3 5 Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Put it to death. Put it to death. But it's hard to kill our flesh. You're like, I'm not trying to tell you to kill your flesh. I'm talking about the the part inside you that is struggling. The part inside you that wants opposite of what God wants. I'm not talking about your flesh, your, your physical hands and bodies. Don't put to death yourself. That's not good. Seriously, don't do it. Romans 7, 8. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Anybody ever struggle with that? What you don't want to do, you do. And what you wish you could do, you don't do. You ever struggle with that? And maybe I'm the only one in here that's not perfect. I don't know. But there are times that I want to do the right thing. I really want to do it. I'm going to do the right thing. Today, I'm going to get up and do the right thing. And I mess it up. Why? Now, if I do what I do not want... Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself must serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And then here he goes, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, no condemnation for the law of the spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Without the spirit, without Jesus, I have nothing and I can do nothing. That's the truth. I have the desire to do the right thing. I just can't do it. I have the desire. I, I want to do the right thing. This is what Paul was saying. Our sin nature causes us to sin. It's our very nature to walk in the flesh. It's our very nature to do the wrong thing. The Bible says man is born to trouble as the sparks fly up in Job. He's talking about the war inside, the constant battle. But it is through Jesus that we have victory over sin. Now, Dorothy, I'm gonna read some scriptures. You don't have these. Romans 8:37, it says, No in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us the word conquerors in the greek means to vanquish beyond vanquish beyond through christ we don't just win we destroy the competition with through christ we destroy we destroy we go beyond this was to win this is further we go beyond through jesus christ we are more than conquerors but we don't tap into it we don't tap into that authority why 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is only through Christ that you see the victory over your flesh. The victory only comes through Christ. You may have some successes in your life, but you'll never be fulfilled. You may be filled, but you're not fulfilled without Christ. I want to zero in real quick. Here at Vanguard Church uh, 8 1 again, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation here at Vanguard Church. You struggle. You have real life problems. So that's awesome. We love you. You have real life questions. Ask them. I don't care. Ask them. You're not going to hurt my feelings. We love you. You have real life fears. You have real life sin. We all do. You're you're not alone. You're not weird. You're not messed up. You're normal. Get it in your head. You're, You're okay. There's nothing you've struggled with that somebody else hasn't struggled with. Quit beating yourself up. You're fine. Vanguard has a culture here of transparency, love, and respect. Our expectation of you is that you be yourself. Let it all hang out. You walk into that door, you're loved no matter what. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you're loved. That's that's our heartbeat is we love anybody. We love everybody. Why? Because Jesus loves you. Because Jesus loves you. We're all tempted. We all struggle. We all have sin. We all have things and and failures in our life. That's fine. The church is for everyone. The church should be a place where a hypocrite comes and worships. I hear that all the time. That church is full of hypocrites. The bar is full of hypocrites. Like, I mean, the hypocrites everywhere. You can't change. People are people. People are going to do silly stuff. And, and But I want to be very clear of where we are at Vanguard Church and what we want to do. And this next part is, is everything that I believe about Vanguard Church, that I want the culture of Vanguard Church to be. We're Going back to Galatians 6.1, it says, Brother, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You are spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So we are spiritual, we should restore in a spirit of gentleness. That word gentleness in the, in the Greek is meekness and humility. To be meek and humble. So many times in the church, across the board, it's not a spirit of gentleness when somebody messes up. We get overtaken by a spirit of gossip. Did you hear about so and so? Did you hear what they did? The series is called Better Together. How can we be better together when we're talking about each other? We've already established that we all have issues. That we're all tempted. You're not better than another. You're not better than anyone else. So put your talk aside. Put your opinions aside. Put your judgment aside. Put your anger aside. Put your embarrassment aside. They didn't fail you. They didn't fail God. They had an issue that they didn't overcome. Let it go. Our job is not to push them down. Our job is to lift them up. When somebody is struggling and they've been caught in a transgression, we're supposed to restore them, bring them back to a place in gentleness. And in love. Because one day it could be you. What seeds are you planting? Romans 15.1, it says, We are strong, have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And then the favorite scripture everybody loves to quote when you're talking to your kids Luke 6.31, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. Restore your brother gently. Restore in a spirit of gentleness. Don't be talking. When somebody comes in here in Marietta, Oklahoma, Gainesville, Ardmore, we have people from each. Look, it's a small enough town that everybody knows everybody's business. Do you hear about so-and-so? Stop. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, somebody asks, "Do you hear about so and so?" and be like, "Hey, have you prayed for him yet? Watch him." Well, I mean, you know, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, then why don't you pray for him some more? If you're going to waste breath about him, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray? Because I- I'll be honest with you, I'm-, I'm tired of a culture that we consider a place where God resides where we push everybody down around us and nobody can be transparent about anything. Why? Because if they're transparent, they're judged. This is not a place of judgment. My job, yes, there are consequences to sin. My job isn't to dish out the consequences. That's not your job either. My job is to what? Restore them in a spirit of gentleness. You know what? I love you. I'm sorry that you failed. If not for the grace of God, there lie me. But here I come. What can I do to help? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to walk. I'm not going to be embarrassed by you. You're part of my family. Yeah, we have families. I have some people in my family I'm embarrassed of. There's a lot of people in my family that's embarrassed of me. <laughs> but that's part of it. Listen, there, you may be embarrassed. It's, why? they are human beings who failed. They failed. That's part of it. That's part of it. The whole time I was putting this message together, the whole time I was, I was coming to, what God, what do you want me to speak? He kept coming back to restore in a spirit of gentleness. I just need to not have a lid. Restore in a spirit of gentleness. And I was like, what would Jesus do? He'd love them. What would Jesus do if somebody was caught in the worst transgression that you could think of? He'd love them. He wouldn't be like, you've blown your, your, your chances, you're done. He'd love them. Right where they are, right where they are, he'd just love them. He'd just love them. Why can't we do the same? We forget that we have our own temptation, we forget that we have our own struggle. We forget that we could be the one who messes up one day. So this is the vanguard church that I want. Is a church when somebody walks through that door, I don't care what they're involved in. We're going to love them. We're going to hug them. I don't care if they smell bad. I'm going to hug them. I'm going to high five them. Why? Because they deserve it. Because Jesus would. And I want to be Jesus' hands extended on this earth.